Hi, everybody. Hey, honey. Hi. Hi. How are you? It's just us tonight. It is. I'm so excited. I'm excited. I mean, not that I haven't, lo- I love having guests on, but I also like sometimes when it's just me and you. Me too. Welcome to our podcast, How to Be Queer. How to Be Queer. My name is Alex. My pronouns are they, them. And I'm Kim. My pronouns are she, her. Welcome back. Welcome back. It's been a, it's been a couple of weeks. We were, we were having some fun. We took a vacation. We, we took an amazing vacation. We did. Before we get to our vacation, thank you to our sponsor, Youth Scene. Youth Scene. Go check them out at youthscene.org. Go to click on the donate button. Please. Power them up. Power them up because they're they're what's bringing us to you. Mm-hmm. And we get your we get your emails so we know you love us. Yeah, if you got questions or comments, I know I always say at the end, at the end of the podcast, but the email is howtobequeerpodcast at gmail.com. Well, and you sent to me yesterday, like we now have an official website. We do. I've been working hard. We now officially own howtobequeer.com. What up, howtobequeer.com? So I um I, I, I actually like published the website today and then I checked it and it's like all fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. No one's gonna know about it until they listen to this. I know. And I'm sorry, we'll- I'm, I'm early, I'm early on the announcement. Yeah, 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 it's fine. Yeah, so we'll officially do. I a, mean, we're highly produced. We are, we are. We'll do the official big announcement over um, in other ways. So here's the thing: I tried to get out of us being on YouTube, and I'm like, Alex, I, do we have to be on YouTube? Like, does anybody care? And then you told me how many people were watching us on YouTube, and I'm like, no, oh, shit. Yeah. All right, I guess we have to be on do YouTube. Do a little subscribe thing, and then like give us a like. Well, and you get to see us here in our house. Yeah. This is if you're if you're watching us on YouTube, we have this this beautiful. This is my office that I use at home, which we also use for podcasting. And this this used to this glass wall used to not be here, and this was one of the things that we added in the house. And I love it. This is your future of inclusion office. I actually really. This is we're of course we're completely on topic. Um, <laughs> sorry, I was like so. During, like so cats. I have always worked almost full-time exclusively in offices. Um, like most people right before the pandemic, I think I was doing probably like four days in one day out. Okay. And then the pandemic happened and they're like, you need to go home and work. And I was in, the, in all of the jobs I've ever had, it was an office setting. And so like most people during the pandemic, I was like, how in the hell am I going to work at home? I remember talking to our C- one of my um, close people at work is our, our chief operating officer, Carla, who's amazing. Um, Carla came to our wedding. I love Carla. Yes. Carla is like a, she, just an amazing human being. But anyway, Carla was like, we, I remember both of us because Carla has three kids too. Mm-hmm. And I remember Carla and I being like, how is this actually going to happen? And what's happened to me during the pandemic is now I'm like, I can't, I don't understand how I used to go to an office four days or five days a week. Yeah. Like how do you actually spend an hour in your car every day? Like, no, I don't actually mind that. We, I have actually a pretty nice commute. I have a 25 minute commute in and out and I listen to all the things. Sometimes I listen to music. Andy, so we're, we're serious XM subscribers Mm -hmm. and Andy Cohen has a new radio station on serious XM and it's like, it's I, a, I think inside Alex, I'm actually a gay man is, is what I think I am because me and Andy Cohen, I'm like, we've all the same interests and the same likes. And so he started a radio station of like all the things that he likes, which is mostly like gay radio shit stuff. So as we unpack this episode, 
the fact that you feel like a gay man. Do I need to change something? No, no, no. I just, I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. But, but our episode is, I guess, um, well, so the last episode that we did, we had Addison and Maggie with us. Hey, hey Addison and Maggie. And so here, here's the thing. It, Madison and I, Maggie know that I highly respect them, love them. I'm so excited that they came and shared their story. But part of what I like about Madison and Addison, Addison, Addison. oh my God, I just like ship named them. Yeah. Didn't I? Addison, Addison and, Maggie. and Maggie, not Madison, but maybe it could be cute. It could work. Madison and Aggie. Nope. <laughs> Mad- I'm sorry. Maggie and Addison. Maggie and Addison. That's so funny how the yeah. brain works that we want to condense things down to the, the quickest thing possible. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Keep going. Maggie and Addison. What I like about them is that they are so, um, they identify in ways that make me really stretch my understanding of, of how we um, orient ourselves. Mm-hmm. And that's what I like about them. Yeah. Cause there's a slight bit of it that I'm like, I'm deeply uncomfortable, mm-hmm. but in a good way. Well, that's, that's, that says a lot about you. What do you think that says about me? That you're okay with your discomfort. Oh yeah. Yeah. Which yeah. not a lot. Not everybody is. Oh my God. As I learn on a daily basis. <laughs> yeah. You can definitely make me super uncomfortable and I'm, I'm okay with it. I, I like when I'm challenged by something that's like not mainstream. I'm like, yeah. I need to, but in, in the other way, I'm like, it makes me uncomfortable because I'm like, oh God, I've never thought or experienced or met something like this. That is so against the normativity that's out there. I, I, I really, I've thoroughly enjoyed our time with them. Me too. How did it feel for you? Like, did, what did you think of, did, was there any part of when they were sharing their experiences that made you uncomfortable or well, how did it make you feel? I think I, it was the same thing where I just, um, was learning hearing. It was fascinating hearing, hearing their experiences. If it, it was so different from, from my own. Yeah. Um, and then, which of course makes us all really cool and, and unique and interesting people. Um, I think I just, yeah, like there were parts that were uncomfortable for me, but, but in the sense of like, this doesn't align with who I am, but it does, it didn't, obviously it's, it's yeah. not that, you know, it's, there's no judgment. Of oh, course. Of course, it's just not. like, you feel it in your body of like, oh, this is uncomfortable, but you can separate out why it's uncomfortable. And, and it's not that you're you can, you know, separate that. Well, this person is sharing their story and this is hitting me because it doesn't, um, in line with me, but you're still sticking in like the experience of the other person. Well, and it seems like, so I is specifically when I was listening, well, for both of them for different reasons, but when I was listening to Addison, I'm such a logistical person that I'm like listening and understanding. I'm like, wow, that's a, that's a lot to care for two people. I mean, I just think of like the basic logistics of that, like, do you, you know, just how you're making sure that you are caring for the needs of each partner. And I'm like, that is, and from what I gather from Addison, Addison is a deeply caring, compassionate person who I'm sure is quite a giver in their relationship. Yeah. Um, And so I was kind of listening and thinking that's a, that's a, that's a lot on your plate. But then I realized like for her, this just, this must just feel right. And so more power to you. Yeah. I mean, in, in, in the, um, vault that she was so willing 
to share the story in this, in the journey of like getting to where she is now, because, mm-hmm. um, you know, it wasn't always as we both have experienced, it's not always as quote unquote easy or, you know, comfortable as it, when you first begin navigating something new about yourself. Well, and one of the things I took from Addison and it's, I took this from, if anybody's on TikTok and they also are obsessed with therapy, Jeff, Oh, I'm obsessed with therapy. Yeah. Therapy Jeff, do you want to be on our podcast? I freaking love therapy Jeff. But he did a, a, a three minute thing about if you are looking to, if you're in a couple and you are looking to invite another person into your relationship, what does this look like? What are the different like rules of engagement from a therapist perspective? Oh, interesting. Yeah. It was fascinating. But one of the things like I, I definitely took from talking with Addison is that the strength of the relationships mm-hmm. that she has to be able to have this level of openness, of trust, of communication. I'm like, we could all be probably taking lessons from this, what I guess some people would consider non-conventional and probably want to put into some bucket of like, I don't know, like they want to demoralize it in some way because it's not monogamy. Mm-hmm. Right. And so thinking that somehow monogamy is the desirable or the, the, the supremacist or elitist point of view. And like, quite frankly, like the level that her and her partners or they and their partners mm-hmm. are having to engage with each other. I have a feeling a lot of monogamous relationships could probably take a page out of, of what it looks like to communicate on that level and have that level of trust. Yes. Yeah. That's what, like, one of the things that I, I really took away from listening to their story. Yeah. Yeah. I was connecting it to like all the messages we've gotten about, um, you know, through religion, but mm-hmm. that's a whole other, other topic, but yeah, it is very interesting. And then with, with Maggie, mm-hmm. just the vulnerability of her sharing and where, where she is. And there's a part of me that, um, you know, it's, it's not, it's not about me, but then we, end up as humans being like, oh, it's all, you know, you, you internalize it. And there's a, there's a lot of things that Maggie said that I'm like, I totally get where she is. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. just, yeah, I just, I really loved having them on and listeners. I hope, I hope you did too. I did. Yes. So where does that, where does that leave us? And this was how we kind of got to what our topic is going to be tonight. Yes. We learned so should I scroll or should I, no, it's not even a, a, a thing, um, learning about, cause we, we acknowledge that we tend to talk about what we know about yeah. in terms of identities, you know, non-binary and transgender and lesbian and, um, well, just, just queerness, queerness, yeah. queerness, but there's so many layers to queerness and, and queerness as a whole, you know, I think we're trying to do this in this podcast of like, we don't know all of the layers of queerness, but we, I'm fascinated with, with, um, I mean, it's queerness, but it's also just humanness Yeah. and, um, uncovering all those things. So, so there's a list on, it's on health, Healthline. healthline.com of so far 47 terms that describe sexual attraction, behavior, and orientation. Yeah. So when I came across this, it was like there 47, 47, uh-huh. 47, 47 different ways to talk or understand sexual and romantic behavioral preferences over time. We should just like pick 
several of them and go through? Yeah. And I, I guess the reason I was interested in talking about talking, talking about this is that like you just said, like we, you know, we tend to talk about what we know, Yeah. but what's fascinating to me is what I know is, was given to me with this limited language Mm -hmm. of what, what people talked about at the time. So it was like, well, you're, you're gay or you're straight, you're a lesbian or you're not. And then over time, like you've gotten language, I've gotten language. I I can tell you, Alex, when I was growing up, I'm sure that this, obviously this existed. All of this has existed since the beginning of time, Mm -hmm. but as we get language around it, and then, because there's things in here that I'm like, oh, I absolutely would identify as this, Mm -hmm. but I just never even knew that this was something I could use to explain how I felt. Yeah. 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 I even unpacked a little bit with my therapist today about, about non-binary. Like I I know I'm non-binary, but there's always ever evolving layers that just, you know, as all of us, there's things we're always learning about ourselves. What was one of the things you learned about yourself and being non-binary? Well, they, they said something very powerful for me that, um, there are no neutral spaces. So like everything from, um, if it, well, and it's, and for me, how difficult it is I, I have, let me just pause. I have so much joy in, in knowing that I am non-binary and transgender, but I also, and we talked about this one night at a, at a dinner party or a friend's house where, you know, if everyone, if you go to sleep and then you wake up in the morning and you're at zero, like you, you recharge yourself and you're back down at zero in terms of like getting to leave your house of like the level of body safety and awareness that you have. Like I wake up and leave the house at 20. Okay. So like going to the store and we were laughing in my session because, because they were like, right, even going to the grocery store, that's a whole level of energy, like of, because, you know, it's ma'am or sir, like everywhere you turn is just. Okay. So anyway, it's interesting. Cause I think that for me, there's a, a certain level of energy of having to leave the house and just like talk to people. <laughs> there's, there's, there's that lines, yeah. there's like, cause I can't stand small talk. Yeah. Um, and I struggle with it, but for you, what you're saying is like, when you walk out of the house to just even get out of the house, there's like 20 things that you've thought of. Yeah. Cause I get, I get stared at from across a room or, you know, if I am not, if I'm not cis passing enough on one end or the other, I literally will get it. And sometimes it's very benign. It's just like, Oh, you know, and but eyes will follow me around, around the room. And I'm like, and that's energy. It is. It is energy exchange. I am now having to tune in or try to tune out that someone is drawing energy from me or because they're trying to figure me out. Yeah. I mean, we, I, I, this is interesting because I think before you and I were a couple, I could, I, I basically just like walked around and nobody looked at me, right? Like I just had this cloak of invisibility and especially as a woman who's getting older, you really, like I felt it once I had kids. I'm like, wow, I'm really invisible now that I had kids. And then as you get older, like nobody looks at you. I have the invisible wo- woman syndrome. And when you and I became a couple and, and I'm like, why is everyone staring at us? And we were in Breckenridge. We went away like a couple weekends together. It was just the two of us. It was lovely. It was lovely. I enjoyed that weekend. It was delightful. It was delightful. But you remember we were walking down the street and there was this family and the mom and the dad. It was like 
open mouth staring, couldn't stop staring. And I think I had just enough like, Oh, and the mom, like rubbernecked. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, what, what do you call it when you're, when you're driving? Is it rubbernecking? And they just is like, that, and, or like when there's like a, like a rubbernecking delay, because there's like an accident on this. Yeah. Is that what it's called? Yeah. I don't remember. It's been a while since I said, that. Yeah. but it, in the past years that we've been together, I definitely when and, and I've joked around, I'm like, oh, when you and I go out together, people know I'm gay and people like <laughs> stare and I'm like, I get to be my own little pride parade. But for you, you're like, I don't really need to be a pride parade today. Like I'm good. Well, I, I put on like rainbows cause I, cause I'm proud of who I am. And it's like, well, I don't need to tell anyone that I'm gay. Cause I like, I don't, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think most people like they, they, but they do. I mean, number one, you're extraordinary because you're so attractive and beautiful. And I can drool over you a little more if you'd like, but I can also shut up, but you're, you are very physically striking person. And so there's that, but then there's this element of people. I definitely see them looking at you like, huh? Yeah. Is this a man? Is this a woman? Is this a non-binary unicorn that I've heard of? (laughs) Like, you can see them, like you're saying, trying to figure out, but for you, you're saying like, I just, I just want to go to the grocery store. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, I, it, I don't know why I just thought about this, but like where you just get smeared with, with people, with the looks that people give you, uh, like, you know, that they're trying to figure something out. Like I've been at, at bars with, well, like gay men who look at me and, I'm, and I want to be like, dude, I'm not, I don't have a penis. Yeah. Like I'm not a gay dude. Like, yeah, it's just like, but then like, it doesn't, I I don't ever feel the need to, but it maybe it's just my own self-defense or like line of like, you know, I want you to know who I am when really ultimately like, it doesn't matter. Right. And yeah, but I guess there's probably times where it's when we talk about like, even with like microaggression, right. Mm -hmm. How like none of us know for you, was this the first time somebody looked at you today or the 50th time somebody looked at you today? Yeah. And so by the time you get to 49, it's like, what? (laughs) Oh, I know. And I've been there before. Yeah. Yeah. So do you feel like the, um, is the, I mean, I would say like, you know, you know, when somebody's staring at you and it's good intent versus somebody staring at you and it's like, that's not good. But do you, cause I guess, I think I've probably been, um, in a position where I've seen somebody and I'm like, oh, okay, I, I want to make sure that I address this person in an appropriate way. And maybe I am looking a little bit too long. I don't know, mm. but I'm good intentioned. Yeah. I think, I think most, well, the, in, in this, I think it comes back to who we are as people. Like I, I believe in most people are well-intended, you know, benevolent people who are just curious and sometimes people are too scared to ask or right um i think after and we don't have to spend a ton a ton of time but i'm going to bring it up because it makes a point of um with my abusive ex husband who who does stare at me to with an in, with an intent to threaten Oh, I think we all, yeah. So I mean, that's I know, obvious. yeah, I know what that feels like mm-hmm. and I'm able to di- di- uh, differentiate between when someone's like, oh, I'm so curious versus like, I want to, I want to like, 
I'm going to try to control you and, and threaten right. you. I mean, so, to be truthful, like we, we definitely know because your, your ex-husband has been banned from, I, I filed a police report that he wasn't able to come to our home because yeah. he was behaving and staring and trying to physically intimidate with his body in a way that it terrified the children that live here. Yeah. So he's no longer allowed on our property. He's no longer allowed on our property because you can tell when somebody is staring at you um, to invoke a certain type of feeling in you. Right. So I think just going through that experience, I'm like, Oh, people are just like mostly harmless. Like they're just, you know, curious, they're curious. And, and they're, and we're all taught to, you know, to think very binary. So they're just kind of like, is that, you know, who, who, so yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So well-intentioned people like, yep. Get it. Um, not so well-intentioned people. Yep. We get it. (laughs) Yeah. I can't think of any other time in, in actually that any, I have felt, you know, threatened by anybody else with, with, you know, anyway. Yeah. So except that mom in Breckenridge and I'm like, lady, your neck's going to break. Oh yeah. She was like, girlfriend so I almost that was a that was one time where i actually almost turned around and said do you have a question <laughs> if you have a question please ask don't stare at us that may have been like that number would, 49 right. that you were staring at right okay anyway okay but getting back to moving on and we're moving on so we did I, I when we were talking to addison and Maggie, Mm -hmm. one of the things that really struck me in our conversation is the amount of terminology um, to discuss uh, not identity. So we're not talking about like um, how you feel in your body. Well, I guess we are talking about how you feel in your body, but not necessarily like if you're, if you're cisgender, non-binary, trans, trans mask, we're not talking about that. We're actually talking about how you feel in your body and what makes your body parts beep, Mm beep, 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 beep. And so I have to say, Alex, like when I looked at this article and I was like, well, maybe there's like 10 different words. Maybe there's like 15. And then I'm like, there's 47. <laughs> I want to see how do I do it? So why does it matter? I kind of like this. So sexuality has to do with the way you identify how, and if you experience sexual or romantic attraction, Ooh. Um, or your interests and preferences around sexual and romantic relationships and behavior, who your sexual or romantic partner is, is not at a given moment in time. It doesn't define this part of who you are. Sexuality can be fluid. It can change in different circumstances over time. So familiarizing yourself with this language that describes different types of sexual and romantic feelings and orientations will help you, your partners, and your friends navigate and understand the many ways for people to experience and identify their sexuality. Okay. So what I loved about this is like, if you're just like, okay, here's your choices, boys or girls. (laughs) (laughs) And then you realize there's 47 different ways Healthline is identified. And when she can say this, I'm like, wow, like now I feel seen. I love this. I love this. Okay. So we were going to talk about, um, a couple of them in here and, and one that, um, I guess that some, I, I mean, I guess we can each go through and say like the ones that we found really fascinating. So asexual is, um, one that I found really interesting. And this is someone who identifies as a member, um, of this community experiences little to no sexual attraction of others or any gender. Asexuality is actually a really broad spectrum. So people who identify as asexual, 
may also identify with one or more other terms, and it can be specifically to capture their relationship to sexual attraction. So um, asexual is also referred to as aces. Yeah. Um, so some people who are asexual do experience romantic attraction to people or one or more genders, and some asexual people also engage in sexual activity. So romantic attraction. So they, um, it, it sounds like, and if you're asexual, please correct me, that they they obviously experience levels of intimacy, right? But not necessarily the way that we identify attraction, right? Which is really fascinating. Yeah, and I wonder if I, I I'm also curious, like when because I think you can I, I think I know a couple of people that in periods of their life they may feel very asexual, just like not interested feel love for people. So it's not about how you feel about a person. It's about necessarily maybe what you want to do with or not do with a person. So you, as they're saying, if sexuality is fluid, could you have periods of asexuality? Mm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah. Why not? Well, I think you can be whatever you, yeah. right. Whatever feels right to you. Yeah. Um, the, the other one that was really interesting to me was that romantic attraction so if you are aromantic, it's that you just don't feel romantic attraction, but you still feel attraction. You could feel sexual attraction. It's just little to no romantic. And it's regardless of sex or gender. I need to look this up. So romantic attraction. So I'm thinking of, of romantic attraction as like, I think of it as like Valentine's day. Right. Okay. So like, imagine if like somebody is trying to like romance you with like, whatever that looks like. And you are just like, this is not working for me. Like maybe I want to have sex with you and I find your body and your body parts. Like I want to do those things, but you start trying to romanticize me and I'm like, nope, I'm out. Oh, isn't that fascinating? Yes. And, and you can, you can, if you, if y'all go to this article, you can click to that, that they also have an article that what it means to be a romantic. Okay. Okay. Do you want to tell us what that means? Um, well, they say love is hard to define, but there's a clear difference between love and romance. Oh, what's the difference between love and romance? Tell me. So MRI scan studies show that romantic love has a distinct neurochemical and hormonal profile that can affect functional reasoning. That's why a new romantic love can make you dis disregard logic, skip out <laughs> on responsibilities, and overlook flaws in the person that you love. Do we call that also the bliss stage? Yeah, like when you're to like when you're totally drunk. More like, like your head over heels. Yeah. Okay. So romantic love involves intense feelings of intimacy, passion, even temporary euphoria for another person. You can't help but smile when you think of them it's, and it's hard not to. You want to learn everything about them and be with them as much as possible. I'm definitely in romantic with you then. Oh, me too. <laughs> romantic love can drive you to distraction before settling into a less intense but still romantic attraction. So an aromantic person doesn't feel this way. They probably never had those feelings in the beginning of a relationship or later, and they don't aspire to either. They're fine with it. But that doesn't mean that they don't feel sexual attraction. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that they don't want to be with that person. They just don't go into the head over heels, romantic phase of 
attraction. Yeah. And this is fascinating. This goes to like, well, if it's connected to like neurochemicals Mm -hmm. and we're all just made the way we are a little bit, if your brain doesn't, is it like you, you, if your brain doesn't produce these chemicals during like the first relationships, like that's just like who you are. So what, what, obviously what power it is to have that language. Well, again, it comes down to that communication, right? Like, Hey, I really want to be with you and I may feel sexual attraction and I want a relationship, but like, please don't expect me to be writing you love letters and lighting candles and falling all over myself. Yeah. Fascinating. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So was there, what other ones on this list kind of stood out to you as, Oh, that's a really fascinating way to look at things. Well, I'm not lot. This was fascinating. Um, Autosexual, a person who's sexually attracted to themselves. So I don't, I don't want to laugh at it. I don't want to laugh. I think either I'm because... laughing because I'm, I'm. It's new and I'm uncomfortable with it because it's new. So a, a, autosexual, a person who's sexually attracted to themselves, someone's desire to engage in sexual behavior such as masturbation. Um, but it doesn't, that does not necessarily determine whether or not they're autosexual, but it's just, you are sexually attracted to themselves. So here's my question around autosexual. Like, is this, because I think you, I guess there's a difference between feeling good and feeling sexy and attractive versus being attracted to yourself. I mean, is that like narcissism? Like, I don't don't know. know. I'm really, if, if someone out there is an autosexual, I would love to understand. Yeah, and I don't mean to be, be disrespectful by saying that autosexual people, I'm not saying that. <laughs> um, a, bi- a biromantic is a person who experiences romantic attraction, but not sexual attraction. So biromantic. You, okay. yeah, so you could like all the things that we were just saying about someone who's aromantic, how they're like, Oh, well, I don't really want the, the romance part of life. I just kind of, I, I just like want to, I have sexual attraction. This is the opposite. A person's like, oh no, I just want the the feeling of the head over heels, and uh, but I don't necessarily want to have, I don't necessarily feel sexually attracted. I'm so, learning so I many know, things. I love all the language though. Uh, so closeted, coming out, cupiosexual. So this describes an asexual person who doesn't experience sexual attraction but still has the desire to engage in sexual behavior or sexual relationship. Okay. Okay. Cupiosexual. Got it. So we, we, and then, and there's demisexual. We, we, you thought maybe you were demisexual, but I think we figured out. I think I figured out I'm not a demisexual. So the, the, um, it's on the asexual spectrum. This is a sexual orientation that describes people who experience sexual attraction only under specific circumstances, such as, such as after building a romantic or emotional relationship with the person. So on one hand, I will say that does feel like me that I don't necessarily, when I meet somebody right off the bat, I don't necessarily feel an attraction, but once I really get to know someone, Mm -hmm. if their personality and their intellect is attractive to me, or we have some type of like shared trust or intimacy or whatever it is, then I can feel attracted to them, but I don't necessarily feel attraction to people except you and Megan Rapino, like right off the bat. <laughs> but that list is like really, really, really small, which makes me think I might be in this category. <laughs> this is so funny. 
you would not describe yourself that way. You, you, from what you've told me, you experience sexual attraction. Like, how do you experience, how do you experience? Oh, okay. We'll get to you. Okay. We're going to get to where you are, but I think that might be me. Demisexual. Okay. I know I'm reading through. I'm like, I might learn something new about myself. And, And I just learned something new about you. Yeah. There's, um, gynosexual, and this is a term used to communicate sexual or romantic attraction to women, females, or femininity. This term intentionally includes attraction to those who identify as women, female, or feminine, regardless of biology, anatomy, or sex assigned at birth. How do you feel about that one, Alex? Mm. Okay, let's keep going. <laughs> um, libidonist asexual a term used to describe an asexual person who experiences sexual feelings that are satisfied through self-simulation or masturbation. This term acknowledges that for some people acting on libido or sexual feelings doesn't necessarily involve sexual behavior with others. I want to talk to the person who came up with this list. (laughs) This is so cool job, right? Could you imagine if this was your job all day, just to talk to people and understand how they feel attraction and then create words and definitions around it? Mm -hmm. It sounds way better than my job. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Monosexual. This is a broad sexual orientation category that includes people who experience romantic or sexual attraction to people of one sex or gender. Oh, I get this one. Right. So this could be, so monosexual can be, if you're just attracted to one sex or gender, this could be like, if you, because as, as bro friend gave me the words, I am penis averse. Yeah. Like, I don't mind people that have penises, but I'm not attracted to penises. And it is apparently according to bro friend, it is okay for me to say that. I think I would be monosexual as well. Yeah. You're not attracted to penises. No. Penises don't do it for you. Nope. (laughs) <laughs> okay um omnisexual um, so this similar is to- very similar to pansexual do you want to go, go go don't go for it you know um so i will see and well the, never mind okay omnisexual similar to pan it can be used to describe people whose sexuality isn't limited to those of particular gender so this is interesting because I remember there was a day decades or a time decades ago when I thought I would, I called myself bi because I only knew of two genders. Okay. We need to dig into this. Hold on a second. You refer to yourself as bi? Yeah. Tell me I, more. I need to, let's unpack this. I need to learn more here because <laughs> I've never heard, you've never told me this before. Oh, I thought I have. No, I didn't know you identified as bisexual. So when I um, came, I told, I came out gay when I was 19, but I think I still was using, I know I was still y- using language as describing myself as bisexual, but because I was really kind of scared to own um I think looking back, I was scared to own that I was, was gay. So can I ask though, even when you were 19, you used the word gay, you didn't refer to yourself as a lesbian on some subconscious level. I, I just, you never liked the word lesbian. I didn't um, resonate with lesbian. Mm-hmm. I would use it and, but it would always like, kind of like make my cells kind of prickle up a okay. little bit. 
So you came out as gay and then, and then said, and then getting more language for yourself. You're like, Oh, well maybe bisexual. Yeah. Um, and I would, and I remember saying, well, I'm just attracted to the, the person. And so that spoke to, um, wanting to uh, like, you know, find someone and be, and, um, know who I am and then know who, who they are. But I was, um, I think I complicated. We didn't have all this language. Right. So it was all just mushed together and like three options of words. Yeah. And I, I mean, and we used to, especially with bisexuality, we used to have things like, well, it's just a hop, skip and a jump away from gay town. Like you just don't want to go to the destination of, of gay or lesbian, or you just weren't, you know? And I think with, with, with I, I mean, I, I just know with, with women, a lot of times we went through a period of time. where like, Oh, you're going to kiss a girl and experiment. And it's so cool to be by. And it wasn't like that same for people that identified as male. And so I feel like we have a whole part of our LGBTQ community that it's still stigmatized to be gay. People mm-hmm. like inherently don't trust bisexuality because yeah. you're probably afraid of like, well, maybe you're not really attracted to, to me. Right. Yeah. There's, I think there's still this kind of essentially like a wall between um, LGBTQ and straight or yeah. hetero there, 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 we haven't, most of us haven't been able to bring the two together. So it there's, I wonder if there's some kind of psychological, like you are betraying yeah. one side or the other. I'm also super fascinated to, to learn more of why we seem to accept bisexuality so much more in women than we do in men. Oh God, I have a couple ideas. I mean, if talk about that's a whole episode in itself. Yeah. But pansexual. So do you think if you would have, so you were using gay or bisexual, but do you think if we would have had the language around omnisexual or pansexual, is that how you would identify? I think when I was, maybe when I, if I, I, when I was that age, I, I may have used Omni or Pan, but, but now, but now it's, I mean, I have, I, what's that I'm allowed to, it's one body part or it's, I have a, a preference. You have for, a preference in body yeah, parts. Yes, absolutely. And it's not penis. It's definitely <laughs> not. Okay. But for pansexuality or omnisexual, the, the, the terminology, the, the meaning that we have here is a term that describes people who can experience sexual, romantic, or emotional attraction to any person, regardless of that person's gender, sex, or sexuality. I have to say, though, I really feel like I hope we live in a world where we can all be open to mm-hmm. being pansexual. Yes. Because even though I say like, oh, I may have like an aversion to penises, that's not to say that I haven't had relationships or love with people that have them. And so that's what makes me think on some level, maybe we should all be a little bit pansexual. Right. I mean, right. Like, yeah. Like if we we move towards a world where we're all pan and non-binary, that would be lovely. Yeah. Let's dream of that. world. Okay. Um, polysexual, a term that describes people with sexual orientation that involves sexual or romantic attraction to people with varying genders. Polysexual orientations includes bisexuality, pansexuality, omnisexuality, queer, and among many others. Mm-hmm. Polysexual different than polyamorous though, because isn't polyamorous feelings of love. 
for more than one person at a time. Oh, I'm going to look that. Yeah. I don't see that. Yeah. Um, a homosexual is a term used to refer to people who reject sexuality labels or don't identify with any of them. Um, homosexual is not necessarily an identity because you're obviously because you're rejecting anything that would be a label. I kind of like the anarchist in that. That's, 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 yeah, that's fascinating. That is fascinating. Okay. So then there's queer, there's questioning, um, romantic attraction, romantic orientation. Okay. So let's do, so romantic, the, the difference between romantic attraction and romantic orientation this so, is fascinating. Attraction is experience of having an emotional response that results in the desire for romantic, but not necessarily sexual relationship or interaction with another person or yourself or oneself. Some people experience romantic attraction, but don't experience sexual attraction. So this is like, I've read about where, you know, essentially I'm just going to say like straight men who sleep with men. Would that be who experience romantic attraction, but don't no, never mind. I'm I'm confusing. Never mind. We're well, moving on. I'm gonna apply that to something else. Okay. I I read this to be like, you know, you just don't necessarily like you might love and feel attracted and enjoying the attention of romantic attraction, but that doesn't necessarily mean you want to engage in the mm-hmm. act of sex. Yeah. Whatever sex means to I you. I mean, this could be like your your best. No, because romantic is that's whole lot. That's the different layer. So I'm thinking that this could be like maybe you're 85 <laughs> and you're like, sex just ain't high up on my list anymore to do this stuff with my body. And then I say that and I'm like, did you know that the 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 amount of STDs in nursing homes is like off the charts? <laughs> so I don't know if this is actually true that people that are 80 like that that, that they would feel this. But that's kind of the way I feel it in my body. Like I may get to a point in my life where I'm like, eh, I could go without the sex, but that doesn't mean that I don't want to feel the romantic or still don't feel the romantic attraction. I could just be like, I don't know, my hip hurts and like I got vaginal dryness or I don't know. Could we just like cuddle and watch Netflix together? I don't know. Could that be it? I don't know. I feel like I just had a panic through your body. It's a little terrifying right now for me. <laughs> it's never gonna happen okay you are my megan rapino okay Okay, and then romantic orientation is an aspect of oneself and identity that involves how you identify (laughs) the way you experience romantic desire if you do the gender or sex the genders or sexes of people you engage in romantic romantic relationships with if any the genders or sexes of people you are romantically attracted to, if any. Okay. Okay. I'm going to go to sapiosexual because this is what I think. Mm-hmm. I'm, 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 I, I, it is a word used to describe those who experience attraction based on intelligence rather than sex or gender. I don't know. I, I'm not, I don't, I don't love the word intelligence because that can feel a little like elitist to me right now. Well, yeah, there's different types of intelligence. There's different types of intelligence. Yeah. Um, like meaning like I've met a lot of Harvard assholes that I'm like, I do not feel any type of attraction whatsoever. And I know that there's a certain type of book intelligence there. Um, I would, I would sub out intelligence with like, I am definitely 
um, I feel attraction to people that have depth mm-hmm. feeling, um, passion, mm-hmm. especially people that have like a passion for what they do in life, what they want to do, the excitement and joyous, and they're just engaged with life. That to me is super attractive. Yeah. Um, and I, that has to be there, I think for me to feel sexual attraction to someone. Yeah. Right. And so, but the way that they say it, intelligence, I'm like, all of a sudden I feel like I'm in Boston and some guy is like an Oxford shirt on with like a sweater tied around his shoulders. <laughs> 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 like super smart and telling me about his like MCAT score. Right. <laughs> his MCAT score. That's hilarious. Or he works for like Goldman Sachs and is telling me about his investment banking. And I'm like, oh my God, you're a total douche. And I can't feel anything other than my vagina literally closing up shop forever. <laughs> I love that. Right. Okay. So I, I want to say that sapiosexual feels really right to me, but instead of the word intelligence, I'm going to say passion and zest for life or just interest, varied, varied interest, unique interests. Mm-hmm. Someone who's like going to talk about books with me endlessly or, or understanding human condition or feeling or any of that shit. Yeah. The dynamic, the dy- dynamic, um, aspect of someone. So I'm also going to describe this as like, when you, like, I'll always ask you questions about stuff that like, you know, a shit ton about and things that I'm like, I don't know anything about there's this list could be long, but when you start explaining shit to me, I'm like, Oh my God, I feel the same way about you. So is that sapiosexual or is that just like, I'm just married to someone who's like really interesting and that matters to me. Uh, Yeah. I mean, like I, I, like you remember how like we've had this these moments where you're talking about something you're explaining and I get a look on my face and you'll stop and be like what and I'm like I'm just that I think like I'm so enamored with you're sharing something about that you know you mean my endless knowledge of like Penn State football totally (laughs) you're sharing something with me which is I view as a gift and and about you and what a part of your brain and who, who you are and what, you know, and I just think that's really cool. And that, and then I'm watching you and I'm like, so into every aspect of you. And I'm like, and then I can't hold back what, how I'm actually feeling in my body. And so my, you see it written all over my face and you're like, what's going on? I'm like, I'm fine. I'm listening. I'm just, just, just give me a minute. <laughs> I feel the same way about you. I always like to I, but then, but I say it in a very unromantic way where I'm like, Alex, explain this to me. I don't get it. It's <laughs> typically what I say. Yeah. Well, it, yeah. And I, I guess, and, and I'm thinking with you, like, I never want to, 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 be disrespectful and that you're talking about something and that I get all like schmoopy. I'm like, don't. And sometimes I'm like, I'll hold it back because I don't want to be rude or mm-hmm. anyway. You're never rude, honey. Okay. Okay. But sapiosexual, I, there's something about that, just, except for the word intelligence, but just you know, feeling attraction to people that are, they're just passionate, engaged, informed, and you, you're learning something. And sometimes that like passion for life that people have, it's a, it's a bit, it's addictive, right? Like, yeah. Cause I don't know. I just, I really, I find that really attractive. Well, and like tonight it, I was cooking dinner and you were talking about what you learned at work today. I learned a lot at work and today. I was like, it was a big learning day for me. Yeah. So I was just, that would be, you know, that's right. That's sapiosexual. 
at least the way I understand it is that it's, it's that attraction to, I mean, literally somebody's brain. What's in it? Yeah. 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 It's a cool thing to be, right? It makes you want to do things. But then I totally get that there's people like, nope, sex is just sex. It's about body parts. And this is what I feel for that body part. And I want to do things with that. And I don't really give a shit what you think. (laughs) I just want to have sex. Yes. That's okay too. Well, and now that I'm rereading this, this, this is even, this is only addressing attraction. So there's attraction, there's romantic, mm-hmm. and then there's sex. Yes. And so, but the, but the attraction to somebody's, in, I'm using the word intellect because it's, but I don't necessarily mean, you know, like book smarts, right? right? Oh, right. I'm, I'm meaning like what's inside somebody's brain. That's yeah, how what they, flares my how they sexual think. desire. Yeah. That, and I'm, I, and definitely like just the way a person, a person looks, the way they feel, the way they smell. Yeah. I would be really interested to know because I think smell for a lot of people, myself included is a, is a big part of attraction. Oh yeah. It's chemical. It's, it's chemical. It, right. It's and it's like chemistry, you know, I can think of um, like, I know all the different smells that you have in all the different scents and I can smell them. And I'm like, Oh yes. It's Me what too. is the part of your brain that that triggers? Do you remember? It's well, your amygdala, your old, Oh, not your amygdala. Well, it's your olfactory senses. Yeah. And it, it, and they're the most closely tied to memory, aren't they? Yeah. That's so fast. That's the, I literally walk in our closet and we'll smell your lotion bottle. Mm-hmm. And I, I love the lotion that you use now, which mm-hmm. I'm making new memories with that one. But um, yeah, I, I, yeah, that's. Well, it's the same way. Like when I smell, so taking, taking it away from, from sex and sexual attraction, lilacs, I automatically think of my mother mm-hmm. and I think of springtime in the house that I grew up in. Like, that's what I think of every time I smell lilacs is I remember being in the little house that I grew up in in Hershey, Pennsylvania, spring rain, May lilacs coming in the house. Cause my mom would cut them and put them all over our house. Yeah. And it's such a great memory I have of, of her. And it, yeah. So every time I smell lilac, I'm like, I might as well be a 16 year old girl back in Hershey, Pennsylvania. And my mom cutting fresh lilacs and putting them in the house. Mm-hmm. I love that smell. Yeah. Do you smell have one it. that like reminds you of home? Smell is fascinating because it's so psychological. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, rose lotion mm-hmm. reminds me of of my mom's mom. Okay, um, my my grandmother, and um, there's another smell I can't remember the name of it. Um, that reminds me of my aunt. And honestly, like it's kind of funny, but it's true. Um, when I smell, um bacon or fried chicken is that your dad my dad yeah yeah my dad is old spice yeah remember old spice oh so my dad wore that wore that too yeah yeah my dad wore old spice old spice for a long time and and so it just it it makes me whenever but i don't really smell that that often anymore i don't even know if they still make it they have they make the old james and i have worn the well yeah not to add it but there's old spice deodorant does it smell like the old it's the old spice of our childhood uh, it's pretty close. Yeah. Or James had some, maybe I didn't use it, but he had some anyway, but I was like, Oh, this smells like, I remember, cause I remember my, my dad would put it on before my, my parents would go out Yeah. or, um, he didn't wear it like, like to work, but he just wore it like, like before they went out, but it also, it obviously like would saturate, you know, mm-hmm. his clo- all his clothes. So did I, you ever date somebody that wore too much fragrance? 
Um, no, because I, no, I don't think I ever allowed, allowed myself to get that close, close because it would give me a headache. It gives me a headache too, but I feel like there's some middle school dances or something like that. In my past where like the middle school boys would take like the Dakar Noir. Oh my God. And, like, bathe. Dakar Noir. Dakar Noir. Yeah. Right. And then you'd be stuck like with your, you know, your arms out in the middle school dance. And I'm like, I can smell you from three feet away. And it was always like that smell, like covering up some type of weird BO. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and I remember trying to get boyfriends to wear Abercrombie Fitch Woods. Oh, I think I dated somebody that wore that. Yeah. I think it was just because I wanted to wear it. That's actually, I wonder if they still make it. That's a good smell. It was a good smell. Yeah. Because it was kind of like light and woodsy. Yeah. Too bad Abercrombie sucks. (laughs) Um, They do. Did we watch that whole documentary about Abercrombie Mm -hmm. and so what I was in college, 94 to 98, I graduated high school in 94. So it wasn't Abercrombie wasn't when I was in high school. It was when I was in college. Yeah. So that was high school for me. And it was like the thing, like mm-hmm. everybody was, was into it. I remember my roommates and I, we would cut the bags in the catalogs yeah. and like decorate our apartment with them. Yeah. And I now like watching that documentary, I'm like, shit was fucked up what they did. Yeah. When we just watched the the thing about Victoria's Secret and all Abercrombie. They're all owned by like the same person. Same they? fucking company. You know, can, we're totally off on a tangent, but that's okay. Y'all know we're a highly produced podcast. <laughs> um, I have to say like one of the things, and I always feel like the, the younger generations, they get such a bad rap when people are like, and again, millennials and Gen Z and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But there's so many things I love about the generations and like how they've really pushed us towards more of a place of body positivity. Mm-hmm. And like when I listen to the, the kids talk about like bodies in a way, I'm like, it is so different than what we grew up in. Yeah. And like it does feel to me like it's getting so much better with the the imagery that you see of like all sorts of different body shapes and what beauty is. And I'm and I go back and and I think it's in um I'm reading this book, the menopause manifesto, and it's understanding menopause through the lens of feminism, mm-hmm. which, you know, I fucking all over it. Yeah. fucking love it. Yep. And one of the things they talk about is that for, for people that grew up in the 1980s and women or people who identified as women who grew up in the 1980s, that is what they think is the worst time possible with body positivity, that it was unbelievable what was done to us as people who identified as female in the eighties. And I like really started to think about that. And I'm like, why was, why the eight, why was it so much worse? And I'm like, oh my God, we had everything from like Jane Fonda to even Richard Simmons mm-hmm. and like sweat into the oldies. Yeah. Um, the, the, the diet craze of like, um, the no fat and the, the fat free, the fat free. And then the magazines that we would get you never saw a body that wasn't like five foot 10 and tiny. Yeah. I remember um, getting like 17 magazine or YM and you could see like knee bones and ribs Mm -hmm. on, on, on girls. And like, uh, and then I, and I tried, I tried to look like that. You, yeah. I mean, I think we all did. Well, yeah, we all did because yeah. And we all kind of, you, a lot of us, failed. I mean, I still remember, I always tell people like when we talk about implicit bias training and like different biases that we have. And I'm like, I have such a bias against the name Heather. And, um, Mm. and I know why, because my 
torturer in middle school and high school was a girl named Heather. And she told me because my thighs touched at the top when I was standing that I was fat. I'm like, well, how do you stand without like your thighs touching at the top? Mm -hmm. And I can still remember that feeling of like shame around my, you know, my body and the way that I looked and her thighs, of course, didn't touch because she was like five, 10 and a hundred pounds and was like a model or teen model or whatever. She was also a fucking asshole anyway, but by Heather, by Heather. So (laughs) I always joke around with people when we start uncovering like different biases we have, I'm like, so I'm going to start you off kind of funny. And then we're going to get into like what real biases look like. I'm like, if somebody tells me their name's Heather, I'm immediately like, I don't know if I can like you. <laughs> I'm experiencing sapiosexual right now. I love you. Okay. But if anyone else is interested in um the book I just mentioned, it is called the the Menopause Manifesto. Menopause through the eyes of feminism. Yes. I can't tell you it's Dr. Jen, something with a G. I don't know. We'll put it on our website. Okay. So this next one, I think oh, wait, is, we're getting back on track. Are we getting? Okay. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, um, scolio sexual. I think this is Kimmy. Maybe. Uh, no, wait, wait, wait. A, a sexual orientation. Why am I all of these? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to project out. <laughs> A sexual orientation that describes people who are sexually attracted to those with non-cisgender identities, such as people who are non-binary, genderqueer, or trans. Well, I am very attracted to you more than any other human I have ever met in my entire life, and you are definitely non-binary and genderqueer. So sign me up for this one. You did. You did. (laughs) Click. Click. Subscribe. (laughs) Yes, please. This is me. I feel the same. Um, because okay, can can I talk about? Can we? Can I ask about? So the other AFAB people that you dated were you were more was were on the mask side. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Maybe. <laughs> Doesn't everyone have a time? <laughs> yes. I would just, I am seriously concerned why I'm like five on this list. Is that normal? (laughs) How many are you on this list? You're just like one. You're just like, I'm gay. (laughs) Is that you? Um, well, I, (laughs) what's the one where I attracted to a body part? Oh, you're the monosexual. Yes. Okay. Yes, um, a sapiosexual with the with the intelligence um, intelligence. Um, I have said this before, and then we talked about it with some friends at dinner one time about um, I will I confused or I it was comp my gender and my sexuality was so whoops was so intertwined for so long that. Um, I think sometimes, yeah, it's still kind of like, but I know, I know what I like and I know what <laughs> it's you. Um, scoliosexual, if there was like a scolio attraction, like I really love seeing other non-binary 
and, and knowing other non-binary people. Maybe are I don't know you, if that's really like a like an identity. But. Are you attracted to other non-binary people? I think um, I, I think I think on some level there's a core there's an attraction. Yes, but it's like oh, it's 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 um, a safety and a comfort because I don't meet other people other non-binary people. But you often. wouldn't necessarily feel like sexual attraction to other non-binary people. Mm. I mean, I mean, if you were non, if you were non-binary, but you're not like, I just, because again, non-binary is not a, an expression. It's an identity. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. So like I can look the way that I look and be non-binary. Yeah. So I guess what I mean is, are you attracted to more masculine presenting people? No, you're not. You like more feminine presenting people. Yeah. Thank you for wording it like that. Cause I was like, yeah, no. Yeah. I mean, in terms of like the sexual and romantic. Yeah. Like I'm more, um, yeah. But, but if, if it was a non-binary feminine presenting person, maybe that would be like your ideal because the non-binary person would really understand on a deeper level. Well, I, I guess, I guess it comes when it comes down to the identity part, it, it doesn't really, I guess it wouldn't matter. I, I just, um, cause I would love the person for, you know, mm -hmm. for who they are. Cause I mean, you, you could. 10 years from now, I'd be like, I'm non-binary and you're still you. Well, I think it, but, what I find it super interesting about identity versus or versus sexual orientation or, or attraction or anything, the older I get, the more I realize how much identifying in either gender is, is basically bullshit in a construct, right? right? Like there's, there's nothing about me identifying as female or woman that I'm like, does that, what, what is that? And what does that even mean to my body? Mm -hmm. Um, it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Um, but I don't feel in conflict with it either. I just feel like, okay, like the, this is my body. These are my body parts. You say these words to me and I'm like, yeah, I feel yeah, Sure. You can call me woman. You can call me girl. And I think because I am with somebody who's non-binary and I see how it feels for you when those words are put on you, I'm like, there's a world of difference here mm -hmm. where like you could use they, them pronouns for me. It wouldn't bother me. You know, you could call me he, I could really give a fuck. It really doesn't matter. And that's where, like, when we talk to Tyrell yeah. and Tyrell is always like, you can use whatever pronouns you want for me, as long as it's done respectfully. Mm -hmm. I totally feel that way. Yeah. Like there's no one thing you're going to call me that I'm going to be like, that's not okay. Yeah. It's more the intention behind it. Whereas for you, I know that if somebody uses the wrong pronouns for you, you're like that really, like if, if somebody's calling you lady or ma'am or, Hey girls, are you out for girls night? I'm like, no, we're a fucking married couple. Like we're right. not out for girls night. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess there's a, um, there's a heaviness there for me that I actually wish that I could accept all pronouns, but and, that's not you. No, yeah. I know. But I think it's a part of, it's been a part of my journey as just who, for me that I'm like, it really would be, well, I guess it'd be easier for it. I just have to accept where I'm at, but like, it really, so, like, I wish it would. I wish I put that. I can't. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that's you. Yeah. I like that though. Okay. 
I think, um, oh wait, was there anything else on here we wanted to mention this week? And then I guess um, we'll talk a little bit about where, what's coming up for folks. Well, this one sounds like a unicorn really quick. Ooh, okay. Expect spectrosexual. I just like that word. Say it again. Spectrosexual. Spectrosexual. A term. That feels like a superhero. It okay. It does. That's why. Yeah. A term that describes people who are sexually or romantically attracted to multiple or varied sexes, genders, or gender identities, but not necessarily all or any. So how is that different than pansexuality? Uh, it's because spectrosexual acknowledges romantic. Could be. And pan is just the sexual orientation. Could be. We're learning right along with you. We are. Okay. Oh, oh Mare. Right. Mare. Oh, Mare Abrams wrote this. Tell everybody about who Mare is. Mare is somebody that we started following a long time ago. How divine. Mare there at, at Mare, M-E-R-E, M-E-R-E, there, T-H-E-I-R. When I first got the word non-binary, Mm-hmm. They were one of the, they were the first, I think, person on social media that I found mm-hmm. that was non-binary. There was non-binary. They documented their, um, their transition, um, their experience and journey with hormones and, um, top surgery, marrying their wife, having a kid like, yeah. Yeah. So this article for Healthline was written by Mayor, well, Mayor there or Mayor Abrams. Yes. Um, a researcher, writer, educator, consultant, and licensed clinical social worker. Um, and they're just freaking awesome. We loved following them. But the the bottom line of what they talk about in here is it is okay to feel unsure or overwhelmed by all the terms we now have to describe sexual and romantic orientation, attraction, and behavior. Um, expanding the language you use to describe your sexuality can provide important guidance, validation, and access to your community um, while you're on your journey of sexual self-discovery and satisfaction. So listeners, I don't know, maybe you learned a little bit about how you identify as well as, as I did. Apparently I'm, 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 I'm a little bit of all of these. This was like <laughs> alphabet mafia on steroids. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I want to talk a little bit for people so that they, they know what is um, coming from us. And so um, I'm going to go ahead and do like a little spoiler. Is that okay with you? Okay. So we've been working on um, what's going to be a two-part episode coming up. And um, it's something that you have been working on, Alex, you have been working on this for a really long time. Yeah. And so to give a little bit of a a, spo- a spoiler or a teaser. Um, for those of you that have been following Alex and I, and you've been listening to our podcast, you w- will obviously realize that Alex and I have only been together for a few short years. And prior to Alex and I being together, Alex was married to um, another person. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we reference that person on here. We actually try not to because it's just not really a part of our lives except that the past couple months, it actually really has been. Mm-hmm. And um, to not spoil too much of what we've been working on, we've been involved in the last year, really locked into um, a legal court case with this person, which is rapidly coming to an end. Yeah. And we can't wait. Um, and so what we've been working on is to share with people a little bit about, and I'm going to speak for Alex for a minute, 
what it's like to be the survivor of domestic abuse. Yes. And I'm not going to like pull back. I'm not going to take my foot off the gas for this one. Yeah, me either. Um, this has been uh, something I'm really proud of Alex for having the courage, even in the face of somebody still trying to attempt to use their same abusive, abusive tactics. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's sometimes using different systems around them to continue to abuse. And Alex is, is um, quite frankly, the strongest human I've ever met. And so you've been working for a couple months to put together and documenting um, what this experience as a survivor is like in the hopes that it is going to reach someone else out there that might be going through the same thing. Mm-hmm. And that this will be a beacon for someone to be like, you are not alone if you are going through this. Yeah. So anything you want to say about that? I know it's coming. We're close. You're close. You've got a lot of it written. Yeah. I I guess I, um, I know sometimes I kind of like spill out and spill over. So I think just thank you for saying what you just said and, and tune in because I really hope that it helps somebody else. And you are a survivor. And I'm, I'm a survivor and, and even like, you know, thriving, like I'm a thriver. Yeah, you are. Like I'm, I've, 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 I'm built to, I'm built to last and built to, um, I don't fight one of the things and, and, and I'll go into more detail later. I don't fight people. I fight systems and I want, or I, in beliefs and narratives that, that includes within myself to, um, create safer spaces. Yeah. So, so that is coming. Um, I think over the next, uh, I think you're going to get the the first part of it within the next two weeks, mm-hmm. and then you will get, um, the final piece after probably towards the end of August, at least once the kids are back in school and we yeah. have a little bit more time to, to finalize what it's going to look like. But just keep in mind, those are two very special episodes that are coming your way. And, um, here's to all the survivors out there to the people who are showing up and not going to be pushed into the shadows or to be dominated by an abusive system or person. Yep. Um, we are here. Please send us your emails, send us your questions, send us what you need send us what you want us to talk about. Send us your, uh, whatever you got. We we're here. Yep. We're here for it. Um, I'll do the social media things. Just a reminder, our email is howtobequeerpodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram at Balls of Magic, Facebook at Balls of Magic. Um, we both have TikTok pages that I don't tend to really mention, but you can follow us on TikTok if you're a TikToker, Alex the Human Human and Kim Salvaggio 101. Follow Youth Scene as well on Instagram and Facebook and their website, youthscene.org. I think that's it. Yeah. And, and, and the, in the website, we'll do an official drop announcement and connection of that to be determined. And in the meantime, we're here, we're queer. So are you, <laughs> everything's going to be okay. Thanks for tuning in. We love you balls of magic. <laughs>